0: Well what an honor it is to be here today and like Pastor Ryan said I'm so glad you guys got out of the ice storm out of the snowstorm, and back to the Creek Church today. You know for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how our yesterday's past tomorrow's not promised and today is all we have and you don't have to have a whole lot of life to know that the scripture that says life is like a vapor is very true. It'll be here one minute And gone the next. And so it's very important to remember that today is all we have to love those that are the most important to us. To laugh with the people we love the most. And to even forgive people that's hurt us in the past. Because today is literally all we might have. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Joshua telling the nation of Israel to prepare today for what God wanted to do tomorrow. Pastor Trevor spoke about personal responsibility a couple weeks ago. Last week, he spoke about Zacchaeus. And I just want to pause there for just a minute and say this. I know Pastor Ryan hit it, but for those of you all that weren't in the room, last week was an incredible weekend at the Creek Church. During both services, first service and second service, we had people all over the room raising their hand to make first-time decisions to follow Jesus Christ. People at home were texting us and sending us emails and personal messages saying, my son made a personal commitment today, raised his hand, accepted Jesus Christ. And I just think that we owe God another big round of applause for what he did right here at the Creek Church. This is an incredible place to be and an incredible time to watch God moving in so many different ways. But what I want to do is I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to talk about a man by the name of Moses. Everybody in here probably knows who Moses is, or you've at least heard of him. He's the guy that spoke into the burning bush. He led the children of Israel out of captivity, rescued them basically from Pharaoh's grip, only to find himself wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years with some of the most ungrateful people we You've ever read about in scripture? And at the end of his season, Moses gathers the nation around him once again to make his last stand, if you would, to give his last sermon. And we find in the book of Deuteronomy Moses' last words. Now, how many of you all know today that you saved your best words? for last, for that which is most important in your life. And the reason Moses did that is because he didn't want the new generation to repeat the mistakes of their fathers. And I'm sure everybody in this room, if you're in here and you're a parent right now, you understand that because you love your kids today. And we don't want our children to make the same mistakes that we made. And that's why we're always preaching at them. And if there was kids in here, they'd say, amen, they are always preaching at us. So by the time... We make it to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Moses has already covered a lot of ground. We've seen big themes. We've heard about big ideas. And Moses has given a lot of information. And Moses does what all good preachers and all good communicators do. He gives them some clarity. Now, I want you to, I want you to understand something today. I love all types of preaching, I really do. I grew up on old fashioned, leather lung, mountain preaching. And I love some mountain preaching and I can hear that sometimes. And I'm telling you, I wanna just take off on the stage and start running. I love some good mountain preaching. I've got friends today that are hackers And if you don't know what a hacking preacher is, you see me after the service and I'll put you in some good Twitter feed and I'll teach you what good hacking preaching is. I love quiet preachers today like Charles Stanley. I love fireballs like T.D. Jakes. I like to listen to people like Stephen Furtick. I like all types of preaching, but I'm gonna be honest with you this morning. The hardest thing for me to do today is to try to understand a message that isn't clear. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? And Moses understands that he's thrown a lot of information out at the people. And he wants them to understand exactly what they are to do with all that information. But can I tell you, clarity is not always comfortable. Can you agree? I'm willing to say that some of us don't even actually like it when things are so clear because we like to leave things up to our own interpretation. And we tend to interpret things the best way for us. And uh, so let me ask, have you ever heard a message and you don't have a clue what to do with it? I'm pretty sure I heard quite a few of those in Bible college growing up. And if I be honest with you, I probably preached quite a few of those myself. So the reason clarity is so important is because of where Moses is taking them. Moses is taking them where every good message takes its audience to the point of a decision. A good message always causes you to make a decision. Whatever it is, to come, go, tell, share, give, trade, whatever it is, it may not always be a come forward invitation, but it is gonna always cause you to stop and think and to make a decision. And Moses wanted them to know how to respond to everything that he shared with them up to this point. You gotta stop and think about it. He's already taken them way back in time He's told them not to make the same mistakes as their ancestors made. He's given them the 10 commandments. He's talked about parenting. He's talked about idolatry. He's explained what grace is. He's even covered money. And here's why. Moses understood the life we have tomorrow begins with the decisions we make today. And I'm gonna say that again because it's so important. The life we will have tomorrow begins with the decisions that you and I are gonna make today. The life that we have today is not by chance, but by choice, and that doesn't mean that we've chosen everything that happened to us or that's going to happen to us, but it does mean that we choose how we are going to respond to it each and every day. Our future will not be by chance, but how we decide to choose to respond to our situation today. That's why today is so important. And this is how Moses did it. He gave them all this information and he starts off in Deuteronomy chapter 10 with a question and this is what he says. He says, and now, today, because that's what we're talking about, today, now, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Now, when I first read this, all I could think about was relationships. Because isn't it true? That's all we truly want out of a relationship is for someone to love us with their whole heart. And I know that some of you are saying, well, yeah, we all want that, Sean, but you skip the fear part. That's, the kind, of, that's kind of the thing I'm thinking about right now. Because a lot of people don't understand how you fear someone that you love. Because doesn't perfect love cast out fear? And I understand that this sounds a little contradicting, but I promise you something, I'm gonna teach you something. listen. You stop seeing it as contradicting when you get married because the person that you love, you also fear. And all the men in the room said, amen, brother. Right? See all the men sitting in here, if you're watching at home, Somerset, Williamsburg, all of the men in the room understand exactly what I'm talking about because you love the woman that's sitting next to you. And you remember the first time that you laid eyes on her and you thought, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. I love everything about her. She's perfect. She's so sweet. I mean, she's just got it together. And then you marry her. You hear people laughing? They know where I'm going. You marry that woman. And all of a sudden, you love her still, but at the same time, you are unbelievably afraid of her. And boys, shame the devil and tell the truth. If you cross her, it's bad. It's real bad. And we never realized when we married you that, that so much destruction could come in a package so small. So all the men understand how it is possible to love someone and fear them at the same time. So back to my question. What does the Lord your God require of you? Stop and think, like what does God want? This is a question that should be driving our lifestyle today. This this question is so much better than what do I want or what do they want or what do they want from me? But I'm going to be honest, this is where most people just kind of shut down. Because when you start talking about requirements, people get turned off. They don't like to talk about that. We want options today. I mean, we live in a drive through society. We've got everything we want today at the tips of our fingers. We can pull out our phone and we can get on eBay and Amazon and we can order whatever we want and have it at our doorstep in just a couple of days. We want options, not requirements. We don't even like the idea of being shackled down to anything today. And most of us are struggling. We struggle with the idea of surrendering to any kind of authority in our life. But I want you to understand this morning, what God requires of us is not burdensome and it's not scary. All God requires and all he wants from us is a relationship. And I promise you, he'll chase you into the end of the earth, just like Kathy said, to get that relationship with you. But the problem that I'm finding today is most people grew up thinking that God didn't even really like them to begin with. They think that God's mad all the time. And he's like an ogre sitting in a tree waiting on you to mess up so he could bop you on the head with a stick. And he hates the sin of the world. Therefore, he hates me. But let me say this. You have to be very careful what your current view of God is because your view of God will determine what your relationship with God is gonna be like. But when you receive the fact that he already loves you, it doesn't matter what you did last year. It doesn't matter what you did last month. It doesn't even matter what you did last night. He loves you when you're the biggest mess up in the world. And that kind of love, a love that loves you when you're at your worst, causes a reverent fear of God in your life. It's a motivating fear that results in obedience. Let me tell you what fearing God will do. Fearing God will cause you to do what you don't want to do sometimes. And I think too many of us, we live in our own bubble and we, all we do is what we want to do. And nobody's going to tell us what we're not going to do. And we're going to do what we want to do. That's just the way we grew up. That's the way we are. But a reverent fear of God will motivate us to do what we don't want to do at times. It's the kind of fear that'll drive you to talk to one of your friends about Jesus when you're not really sure how they're gonna to respond to you. It's a fear that'll cause you to step out and take a couple of steps and say, I feel like I'm being called into ministry when you're scared to death and you do it anyway. It's the kind of fear sometimes that will cause you to give out of your budget when you don't know if you've got the money to give, but you can feel God pushing you to do it. Let me tell you what else fear will do. Fearing God will cause you to go on when you feel like quitting. In Genesis chapter 42, we find the story of Joseph, and I'm sure that Joseph had several moments in his life when he just wanted to quit. He wanted to throw in the towel, if you would. He was mistreated, lied about, hated, sold into slavery by his brothers, and yet his fear of God kept him from quitting. Even when he had just calls from a human perspective, and I wouldn't have blamed him. I would have wanted to quit as well. And let's be honest in the room today. We can all find reasons to quit. I can find reasons to quit. You can find reasons to quit. Hey, I've made up reasons to quit before. And I know a lot of you don't know a whole lot about my story. You've heard bits and pieces of it. But I battled drugs up into my early 20s spent a lot of time in the Laurel County Detention Center. My life had went down such a rabbit hole and such a a hole that that everything that I knew good was falling apart around me. My wife had threatened to leave me. She started going to this little church. I remember at the time, it was called New Life Christian Fellowship. We met at the Sue Bennett College over there. And I remember there were some guys in that church, they offered me to go on something called the Emmaus Walk. A three-day retreat for men. The men go one week, women go the other week. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't want to go. I hated Christians. I didn't like church. Every person I'd met up to that point in my life that called themselves a Christian, all I felt that they'd done to me was look down their nose at me. Amen. And I know some of you sitting in this room, you grew up with me, and you're sitting there beside your spouse saying, he's a, he was a lot worse than he's telling everybody. But I went on that retreat because I thought, you know what, I've tried everything else. I might as well try this, so I went. And I'm gonna tell you, I met some of the most incredible people in the world, people like Roger and Joanne Witt that I think the world of today. People that, a lot of people that come here, but more importantly than even meeting them, I met Jesus on that retreat. And it changed my life, turned my world upside down. And I enrolled into Bible college. And then at the age of 25, I took my first church as senior pastor. Can I tell you, I have no clue what those people were thinking. Talk about, I was greener than, I mean, I didn't know anything about anything. I was there for about eight years, and man, I had some mountaintop experiences, but I found myself under the valley sometimes. And can I just be open and honest? When we're not saved, we expect people who who are not saved that don't know Jesus to treat us bad. But when you're involved in a church and you're around church people, you expect them to treat you right. And by the end of that tenure, I tried to turn the curve a little bit and change some things. And I was met with some opposition, and they almost wanted to chop my head off. And I ended up resigning and leaving. And I'm going to tell you, it was one of the hardest things I'd ever been through in my life. And I'll never forget sitting at, a kitchen, at the kitchen table with my wife, and I, I remember crying. And I said, You know what? If this is what pastoring is, I don't know if I want to do it. But it was the fear of God and maybe a little bit of my wife that kept me going. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I wasn't fearful, as in, I was afraid God was going to kill me if I stopped preaching. Because the truth of it is, is God doesn't love me more because I'm preaching. God doesn't love me. He loves me based on who I am, not what I do. And let me just go a little bit further. I'm confident to say today, if I stopped preaching and I never stood on another platform, God would love me just as much then as he loves me today. Because it's not about what I do. It's about who I am. It's about the relationship that we have. But this is what fearing God did. Fearing God will cause you to be more aware of God's goodness in your life. And when I stopped and I began to think about where God had brought me from, a young boy who had been physically abused and abandoned by his mother, and I don't even know where she's at today. And now I've got more moms than I could shake a stick at. One in particular named Lisa Harris, who has enriched mine and my family's life so much, I could never explain it in this one sitting. She's a great person. I stopped and I thought back to think that I've been delivered from addiction. I have a wife who has stood by me for the last 20 years and she might've been like Joseph at one time and wanted to quit, but she's not a quitter, thank God. I've got two boys today that I couldn't be prouder of, a home, I've got money in the bank, I've got real friends that I could call at any time and they'd come to my rescue and I get to preach at one of the greatest churches in Kentucky, God's been good to me. And I'm not going to quit. And you shouldn't quit. Because God's been good to you. I'm telling you, fearing God helps you be happy where you are. And it helps you keep things in proper perspective. But let me tell you what else it does. Fearing God will cause you to dislike sin. Yeah, I didn't expect anybody to clap on that one. (laughs) Proverbs 8 and verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And I just think if sin bothers God, it ought to bother us as well. And I don't think that we should ever be okay with what God disapproves of. And let me just go ahead and say this. Let me preface this cuz I never want to be like the Christians I was talking about before. We may hate the sin, but never the sinner. That was always Jesus's problem with the Pharisees. And if I'll be honest, that's why a lot of people today are still so far away from God because a lot of church people haven't figured out how to love the sinner and hate the sin. Let me give you another one. Fearing God brings restraint into your moral conduct. Romans chapter three and verse 10 tells us that there is none righteous, no, not one. All of us in this room, all of us watching at home, whether you're Williamsburg, we all have sin in our life. There's not a person sitting in this room today that is perfect. And if you think you are, let me remind you what John says in first John chapter one and verse eight, when he says that if a man says he has no sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him and the truth is Jesus. So, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the fear of God, you will never have any power of restraint in your moral life to stop doing the things that you don't want to do. So, I hope that explains what the fear of God is a little bit. He goes on in Deuteronomy and he says that we are to live in a way that pleases Him. This indicates progress. And it's not going to happen overnight. I promise you, when I decided to follow Jesus, I didn't wake up the next morning and want to be a preacher. It's a process. It's a journey that you go through. And I fail, and I fail, and I fail. And I'd get back up, and I'd fall again. But it's a journey that's going to lead you to life, a life of abundance. And you might ask, well, what's that life look like? This is what it looks like. You're going to begin to walk in faith. You're gonna begin to pick up the scriptures and read them, and you're gonna start trusting God, and you're gonna see the promises of God, and you're gonna watch God do incredible things in your life. You're gonna walk in the spirit. You're gonna experience peace and love and joy, and you're gonna understand self-control. You're gonna walk in love. You mean tell what's gonna happen? You're gonna start loving people that you never thought you'd love. And if you're sitting beside somebody that's a Christian, you're not, and you ask them, and they look at you and say, Yeah, I love you, don't I? You know, like you're going to love people you never thought you would love. You're going to walk in wisdom. You're going to have a supernatural wisdom come to you from time to time. You're going to walk in light and lead other people. You're just going to be more like Jesus. And when you learn to walk in these ways, it's pleasing to God. He goes on in Deuteronomy, and he tells us to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And you might ask, well, how in the world? How in the world am I going to do that? Listen, it's simple. You just serve him with the gifts that he's already given you, with the time that you have and maybe you might even use the money that he's allowed you to put in your pocket. Job chapter 36 and verse 11 tells us that if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures and I'm standing up here before you today telling you that that promise has been true in my personal life. Deuteronomy goes on to say, And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. There's our word, today, because today's all we have. And I want to stop and pause on this for a minute. For your own good. I mean, this is huge. This helps us understand God's motive and why he's doing what he's doing. He's given us the commands for our own good. He's not trying to create robots. He's not trying to program you to do what he wants you to do. Think about it, we give our children rules because we love them and we want to see them prosper and grow and we want them to be safe because we love them. And when we understand that God is giving us these commands because he loves us, that ought to motivate us today to go even further. So how we decide to respond to God today isn't just about us. It's about our children and our grandchildren. It's about the legacy that we're gonna leave. And I think that's what Moses is trying to get the Israelites to understand. He's trying to get them to understand that God is for them and he's not against them. And I want you to know today that God is for you and he's not against you either. So Moses just talked to them about fearing God keeping the commandments, serving with their whole heart. And in the next several chapters, he's going to cover basically everything under the sun. And when I say that, I really mean that. He's going to talk about idolatry. He's going to talk about worship. He's going to talk about food, tithing, Passover, feast. He's going to talk about everything under the sun. And then at the the conclusion, he's going to put a bow on it. At the conclusion of his, his sermon, we see him repeat some things to them because repetition works. And if you've got children, you know I'm telling the truth. Moses says this. He says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will send into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. What Moses is doing is he's trying to get them to understand that they don't need anyone to go for them. They can do this on their own. God's already given them the power. He's already given them the tools and he's already given you the power and the tools. And even better than that, he said that if you believe in Christ, that the same spirit that lived in him, that resurrected him will live in you and there will be nothing impossible that you're not gonna be able to do. Moses wants them to understand that what God is asking of them is not unreasonable. It's not gonna be impossible. God's given them clear instructions on how to carry this out. And yet, even today, I think so many people think following Jesus is just too hard. There's too many rules. It just seems too hard. I just don't even want to try. And so they don't. But can I tell you the easiest way to follow God's commands is just to fall in love with Jesus. Just fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with who he is and what he's done... It's so easy. And the verse I'm gonna share with you right now absolutely changed the way I read the Bible and the way I feel about God. In John 14, it says, "'If you love me, you will obey what I command.'" Now, I want you to know, when I first got saved and read that, every time I read it, I got depressed. Because I'd read that and think, I can't do this. God, I can't keep the commands. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And all I would hear is, Sean, if you love me, don't you dare tell me you love me if you're not doing what I tell you to do. But that is not what this verse says. This verse says, Sean, if you love me, don't worry, you'll do what I command. You've gotta learn how to read the Bible. You've gotta read it out of the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, Sean, listen, if you love me, don't worry. You'll do what I command. It's so easy to follow God when you're in love. It's it's like, listen, God gave us another commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery, right? I don't wake up every morning and think, oh my gosh, it's another day. I'm gonna have to like watch my eyes and I'm gonna try my best not to cheat on Tonya today. I don't have to do that. I don't even think about that. You know why? Because I'm in love with her. And when you're in love with God, it makes it easy. But if you find yourself trying to obey the Bible, and the more you do it, the less you like God, it's because you're not in love. Just fall in love with Jesus, and the rest of this will be easy. Moses goes on to say in verse 14, no, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, and it's in your heart, so you may obey it. So I want you to know that God's near you today. He sees your situation, your circumstance. He knows exactly what you're going through. He is not a far off God, and He empowers us out of love to obey. He goes on to say, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. It's a choice. He said, I'm putting both of these before you, but you've got to choose. And it's a choice that we have to make daily. Are we gonna choose life or are we gonna choose death? Are we gonna forgive those that have hurt us or are we gonna try to hold them captive or whatever it is that God's putting his finger on in your life right now? He goes on to say, for I command you today because today's all you have to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And he says, listen, if you'll do that, then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. He's talking about a quality and a quantity of life. He's telling us how to win in this life today, but he immediately pivots by saying this, but if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, And if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I want you to notice that even now, Moses is pointing them to the fact that this is a matter of the heart and not habits. Moses is saying, this is a relationship issue. And if you've got your heart right and if you're focused on God, the habits are gonna follow. But if they choose any other God but him, they're choosing destruction. And if that's their choice, this is what he says. He says, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. And I think everybody in this room, if you're watching online, we're old enough to know that when we try to do life on our own, without God, we always found ourselves in a bad spot. You'll think back to last week when Pastor Trevor stood right here on the edge of this platform, and he said he he remembered believing in Jesus from a small child all the way up to about 16. He said then he decided he didn't want to believe anymore. He said he went his own way and he found himself in ditches and gutters until he came back to Jesus. And that's what happens when we get away from God and we find new idols and we find new gods. We find ourselves in ditches and in gutters. Moses is trying to tell them that their choices and our choices not only affect us, but our children as well. So with saying that, every choice we make today, every one of them will matter tomorrow. So let me ask this, what's your choice? Are you gonna forgive the person that hurt you? So many years ago, let me say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not going to them and saying, I forgive you and what you did to me was okay. Forgiveness is saying, I forgive you and I'm releasing myself of carrying this burden around. So are you gonna choose life or are you gonna choose death? Are you gonna love your neighbor as yourself Let me take this a step further. If you're a Democrat in the room, are you gonna love your Republican neighbor? If you're a Republican, are you gonna love your Democratic neighbor? Listen, when are we gonna get back to being Jesus followers? And it doesn't matter what party you belong to because you belong to the party of God. Are you gonna choose life? Or are you gonna choose death? What's your choice? Are you gonna be generous to the kingdom of God? Are you gonna use your finances to help further the local church? Because I promise you this, greed will strangle the life out of you. But if you're generous, that's definitely choosing life. Maybe you're here. And you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. And even last week you were in here and you wanted to do that so bad, but you didn't. And you came back this week because you had that opportunity. This is your day. Can I tell you, this will be the most important life altering decision you will ever make for yourself, for your children and for your children's children. But here's the bottom line. We all have issues. You might have an issue that nobody knows about, but you and God, and God's putting His finger on those right now. But every choice you make is either a step in the right direction or the wrong direction. So are you walking towards life or are you walking towards death? Because the choice is yours today, because today is all we have. So here's what I'm gonna ask. With everybody in the room, I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you to ask God to put his finger on the things that is causing death. What is it that you need to change? What is it you need to give up? What is it that you need to start doing? But today, choose life. Just for a minute, I want you to pray. Seek God and see if God won't seek and speak to you. Father, we love you. You're a good God. You're a good Father. And so many times in life, it's like we run away from you. But today, Lord, I just ask, Lord, speak to us. Put your finger on the things in our lives that's keeping us further away from you. The things that are causing death. And Lord, today, I choose life. I choose to forgive. I choose to love. I choose to honor. I choose to worship. And Lord, I ask today that you forgive me. Forgive me of the things that that I just fell so horribly in. Lord, I thank you for this place. I thank you for each person that's in this room, for those that are online, those that are at Williamsburg and Somerset today. Lord, I just ask today a supernatural blessing on them. Lord, I pray today that you'd be glorified in our lives. I pray blessings on everything that we touch. I pray that the people that are here under the sound of my voice would find favor in every circle that they find themselves in. And Lord, that they would be a beacon of hope for London, Somerset, Williamsburg, the entire world. And Lord, for those that are in here right now, and this is their day, they're saying, today's the day I want to receive you. Lord, I pray that they would open up their heart and you would walk in. And Lord, that you would change their life forever. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Lord, I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. And amen.